Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to Genesee Valley Church's online podcast. GVC is a non-denominational church in Flint, Michigan, and our mission is simple. To love God, love people, and love life. I know that you will be blessed by the message and the words that God has for you today. Now, here's Pastor Tony. dancing or have a guitar or something do you have a guitar <laughs> no my she's daughter got, does <laughs> she's got a hidden hidden talent that i don't know about wow that's amazing got lots of them no wow praise god we're gonna have to discover those later on come on i'm telling you well hey welcome to the first sunday of our new series called relationship rehab we're so Excited that you're here. You know, again, obviously, people will use today as an excuse. Well, it was snowy outside, and so we just didn't come to church today. But really, when they're at church next week, you just say, listen, we know you didn't come because of what they were talking about last week. And so you really need to listen to that message online. Go check it out, all right? (laughs) So anyways, we're so excited about this uh, particular series, and thank you for just participating with us and and, and putting your questions in the the, the baskets out there. In fact, if you want to be able to uh, have a question answered, we'd love to be able to mix that in with this uh, series that we're doing. But today was uh, interesting. I mean, it was... uh, Really interesting how today played out because today what we're going to look at is romance. And it's interesting uh, what these questions came, and I'm going to share them with you in just a minute, as to how they related to romance. But, you know, when it comes to a a man and a woman, a husband and wife, uh, there's really two basic needs. Number one, when it comes to a woman, a woman simply desires security. That's what she's looking for. And men want to be honored or respected by their wives. That's right. (laughs) The women didn't speak up in the men. (laughs) See? (laughs) But how a man provides security for the woman is to be a leader in his family. So he does this by providing for them, protecting them, but planning and leading his home. That's right. Or his family. Right. And so, in fact, these kind of fall into four, four P words, if you will. Like, as you said, a, a man or a woman, rather, is looking to, to have security through providing, protecting, and planning, or really just leading. A man is looking for praise. We simply want our wives to brag on us, our, our, our girlfriends to esteem us. We just look to have praise or be praised by the, the women that we love. And when a man takes the lead in his family or in his home, he initiates life, he takes charge, and becomes very attractive to a wife or a significant other. That's right. And and if we can just say this, uh, she didn't want to be so uh, (laughs) bold to say this, but she said attractive, but you just become sexy. <laughs> you, you actually become sexy to that other person when you purpose to do so. And so, as we said, today falls into a category of romance. But now listen to this. Because if, you're, if you looked at those questionnaires, there was questions that would have a checkbox for family, for friendships, or romance. And all these questions that came in today or the topic that we're dealing with was checked off as romance. Okay? And I really want you to understand that and hear that because here are the questions that they asked. And they checked romance. 
that you asked. Yes. So question number one, how do I encourage my spouse to come to church? How do I stay strong when my spouse isn't in the same place that I am spiritually? How do we grow together spiritually? Isn't that interesting that all those questions, in fact, that was probably a third of the questions that came in pertaining to that particular topic in every single one that was asking about how do we grow spiritually? How do I encourage my spouse to be a part of this spiritual journey? They checked off the box as romance. Isn't that interesting? Why is that? But you'd say, well, how is that all coming to romance? Mm -hmm. Because there's nothing more attractive than a man or a woman that's full of God, that goes to church, that's right. serving God in, in, his, in their home. That's right. You, you think about uh, Adam, or excuse me, Abraham, rather. Abraham was, is considered the father of faith. We, we oftentimes look at his example as to how he led his home, how he led his family, how he obeyed God, how he fulfilled the plan of God. And we're actually here as a result of Abraham's leadership in leading his home in a spiritual journey, if you will. And just think about this. The Bible says in Genesis that Sarah, now they're well up into their years. They're, they're, they're in their hundreds. And this is what the scripture says. Sarah makes this statement. She, she laughs to herself. She goes, after having been become aged, shall I have pleasure and delight with my Lord in this old age? So let me just kind of interpret it for you. She looks at her, she looks at Abraham. He's been a leader. He's been a faithful man of God to, to lead the home and be the example. And she looks at him when he's a hundred some years old and she's like. <laughs> Can I still have pleasure <laughs> with my man? See, after all that time, after being a hundred and some years old, come on, I'm looking in the mirror now and saying, where's the cream? I need some, some wrinkles fixed or something, you know, give the stretch, the, I don't know what. But you think a hundred and some years old, she's still looking at him saying, I still want you, baby. Right? Why? Because there's something attractive about a man that will lead his home and lead them in a spiritual capacity. And then she says this, she says, shall I have pleasure with my Lord? And that word Lord really uh, denotes honor or reverence towards her husband. That what he's done has promoted her to honor, love, and esteem him. And because of that, she still finds him sexy. (laughs) Come on, you hear what I'm saying? There's something about a man or a woman that will be full of God that becomes attractive to your significant other. You know, there was a, a gentleman that had helped us in our church early on when we first started Genesee Valley Church, and uh, he was a fellow that I had went to church with as a, as a young man, as a, as a boy, really, and I, I got a hold of him, and I said, hey, would you be interested in helping us launch our church? And he said, sure. He said, you know what? I've been on this journey. He said, I've been struggling through life, and he says, I've just really started coming back to God, and I know that I just got to get my life in order. He said, so I'd love to be able to help you in the capacity that you're asking me. And so as time went on, just kind of watching and observing him and his family, one of the things that I noticed is that he as a husband never took the initiative throughout his life. And, and if I can just say this again, uh, he, he, well, I'll, just, I'll, I'll say it this way. He did not take the initiative as a husband or a father to be a leader. 
And so as he and I would talk from time to time, and as I'm trying to help him through some situations of life, one of the things that he said to me, he says, my wife doesn't desire him anymore. He said, we don't even sleep in the same room. She doesn't desire to be physical with me. He said, she just doesn't want to have that kind of a relationship. But whenever I saw them in church, every single time I can still see where they sat within the congregation, he would sit on the end chair of the aisle, she would sit right next to him, and she would snuggle up with him like this and lay her head on his shoulder in church. Now, he would say that she doesn't desire any physical attention or anything, and I brought it to his attention. I said, you said that she doesn't want to be affectionate with you. I said, but when you'll take the lead in your home as a father and as a husband and bring your family to church, she gets real cozy with you. He says, oh, she's just putting on a show so everybody thinks that nothing's wrong. I said, no, you are taking a step of being a leader, and she's finding it attractive. And things continued the way that they did, and they since got divorced. Well, see, he always told me, well, she doesn't have any desire to be with me, be with a man. She's just whatever, whatever. Shortly after they got divorced, she remarried. And to see her now, she is happy as can be because she found a man that will lead. There's something sexy. There's something appealing about a man or a woman that is full of God. And so there's some core issues here. And for me as a pastor, it's one of those things that I've observed throughout the years that I've noticed that when it comes to church attendance, oftentimes you'll see the women going to church more regularly, more frequently than the men. And so I've asked the Lord about that. In fact, as we've started to prepare for this message, there was a question that I was asking because I, I said, Lord, I said, this is something that... I've seen all my life that men have just not led spiritually in the home. I said, but this isn't something just common uh, in, in recent years. I said, God, if I look back into the word of God, I see Adam doing the same thing. Do you remember the Bible tells them, he said to Adam, he says, you tend to the garden." What he was saying is that there's going to be opposition. There's a thief that's coming, and he's coming to steal, kill, and destroy your marriage. So be on guard, right? And so as you see, Adam, the, the, the enemy came, and he began to tempt Eve. And Adam just sat passively by and let disaster hit his home. And here's what the Lord said to me. He said, what you see today in the church when it comes to men taking that spiritual lead of position of leadership within the home, that's not just a common thing in today. That was a result from what Adam did in the garden. Because he chose to not step up and be the leader, the curse entered into the earth, and therefore in the nature of a man, there is a sin nature within man to be passive and not take spiritual leadership or take the lead in the home. But even then there was Eve. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But even on the woman's side, when she was given the apple, she was like, well, we we can't do this. We're not supposed to do this. But her husband was right there the whole time. But the Bible never says that she asked her husband or asked Adam, should I do this? (laughs) So she never checked with him, and she was slow to obey God and just made the wrong choice and chose to sin. But... 
that sin nature was there, and it's just simply a woman not honoring or looking to a husband to get advice, to check just in. Just being, being independent. <laughs> yes, just being independent. I got it. I can do it. I can make my own decisions. Mm-hmm. So you look, maybe you look at your own home. Maybe you look at uh, women in the world just out there, just being independent. And there's a side of independency that's not bad, but there's right. a side of independency where you're just never checking, never going to the husband. I got it. I can do it. I can make my own decisions for this family, for my kids. That's right. And, and so we actually see in the Word of God, in Ephesians chapter 5, God actually speaks to the husband and wife. He says something very significant to the husband. He says, now husbands, he says, you love your wives as Christ has loved the church and gave himself for it. He says, now, ladies, you submit yourselves. That word submit simply means to honor and reverence your husband. And so many husbands will say, well, I would love her if she would honor and respect me. No, that's not what God was saying. He says, that's not a conditional thing. He says, listen, your sin nature is to be passive. He said, so you're going to have to step up, big boy, and you're going to have to choose to love her. And she says, well, wait a minute. I would respect and honor him, but he's not loving me. And he says, now, wait a minute. He says, now, part of your sin nature is to be independent. And it's not a condition of whether he's loving you. You choose to honor him. And so what God did in Ephesians, what he did, he, he does or he puts in place something to help us in the sense that he gives man that tends to be passive a responsibility. And when a woman tends to be independent, he gives her accountability. And so, again, we're talking about learning how to lead within the home, being leaders within our household, spiritually speaking, if you will, and purposing to have a a, a life that is full of God. And when we purpose to have that life full of God, it is attractive and appealing to the person of the opposite sex. And so you might be saying, well, I desire to be strong. I desire to, to grow spiritually with my spouse. How do we do that? Well, number one, how do we stay strong? Now, listen, it's going to be difficult. It's going to be difficult to keep focus because you'll have to make a quality decision to serve God. You as an individual will have to make a quality decision to serve God. And that'll mean sacrifice. Absolutely. (laughs) When you serve God, it's not all rosy and easy for you. You're going to have to make the quality decision and stick with it, and I'm going to do this. And and so many times we see husbands and wives, they're, they're, they're desiring to have a relationship with God, but oftentimes because of where the other spouse might be, they start making compromises in their own walk with God simply to appease that other spouse that isn't in the same place. Here's something where I said you've got to have in focus. That person, that man, that woman, that husband, that wife did not die for you in order for you to go to heaven. So we've got to make that choice that I'm not going to put that man or that woman above my commitment to God. Does that make sense? Like I said, this is going to be difficult because I've got to make that quality decision to make those priority choices within my life. Your relationship with God, or I should say it this way, your relationship with that person is not worth you walking away or rejecting God. And I'm telling you, God is so faithful and he'll bless you if you'll purpose just to keep your eyes 
on him. Don't compromise your walk just to appease that other person. Right? So, did you? So, to stay strong, the question was, how do I stay strong in this? Well, when I think of staying strong, the only thing that's going to keep you strong is, the first thing is the word. Mm-hmm. If you're not in the word, you're not going to stick with it. You're not going to stay in there. And prayer, mm-hmm. fellowshipping with God, talking to God about it, getting wisdom from God, but having faith friends. <laughs> yeah. Faith friends. Not just any old friend. Because we got all kinds of friends that we came to church that we had before we started coming to church, before we got our, our life right with God or decided to do this church thing and follow God. We had those friends that were outside and we did the world with them or just the stuff we did before. Those friends don't help you stay strong. That's right. Those friends don't help you stay strong. Time and time again, we have found that to be true. Mm-hmm. But if you find good faith friends, that'll help you fight that fight and help you stick with it and stay in it. Those are the friends you need. You know, and with that being said, that that side of having faith friends that are going to encourage you, you're not going to find a faith friend that is going to say, you know what, you just need to kick them to the curb. I know, again, obviously, I'm not talking about circumstances where there's abuse Unless you and all need that. To, no yeah, I mean, there, there might, you know, again, you, you understand you, you got to have some margin there. But when it comes to having those faith friends, they're going to stick with you to help you fight that fight of faith to be strong for that other spouse. And here's some of the things that I've seen in the past where there, there's a spouse that doesn't come to church with the spouse. And, and so what may happen is that, well, I'll go to church, babe, but I don't like your church. And so the one spouse that goes to the church says, well, okay, if you want to go to a different church, I'll go with you. And so what they'll do is they'll compromise the place that God has called them to to appease that other person. Well, a lot of times why that spouse don't like the church that you're going to is because it challenges their flesh. And so they'll want to go somewhere where their flesh can get comfortable, they can get complacent, and nobody's going to say anything to me to stretch my faith. And all the while, you got out of the place called there for you where all your faith friends were to help you fight the fight of faith, and therefore you're struggling, treading water, saying, God, what's going on? I'm trying to help, and I, I, I'm, we're going to church together. But there's a, per, a, a point where you've got to make a choice in the quality decision, I'm going to serve God Regardless, does that make sense? Psalms 37 says this in verse 4, says, Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. How many of you know that God wants you to have a, a deep relationship with your spouse? He wants it to be intimate. He wants to be the focal point of your relationship more than you do. And God says, if you'll purpose to set the priorities... I'll give you the desires of your heart. Listen, God is ever working on that person. Now, now let me just say this. I'm talking more about husbands and wives. If you're not married yet and you've got a lot of conflict going on within your relationship, maybe you just need to ask the question, is this the person that I need to be with? Amen. All right. So how is it that we stay strong? How do I stay strong in the midst of this difference of spiritual places? How do we grow together? What's the first thing that we should do? Go ahead. One, we have to love them. So that means we don't preach at them. We don't be condescending, point out their spiritual failures or (laughs) not coming once again. We go to church. We serve God. 
the best we can. So you may hear you always, you're always at the church, you're always serving, you're always there. You keep with it. Mm-hmm. That's the conviction that they're feeling. But you keep the direction and the course of your life. And you know that it's working because you have the word mm-hmm. backing you up. And so that's where you stay strong. <laughs> right. You always have the word to fall back on. Well, you said you made the, the point of of not falling back on your convictions. And we've seen this as pastors where there's a spouse that is involved with the church and that other spouse, as she said, you're always at the church. You're always doing something. You're always hanging out with them. And the reason that they're oftentimes making those statements is because God's dealing with their heart. And so they would rather point the finger at you and make you feel condemned about what you're doing rather than them feel condemned about what they're doing. And so they try to flip it on you. Does that make sense? Just understand that. And understand that sometimes it's just that conviction that God is dealing with them in their own personal life. Now, on the flip side of that, don't make excuses for where they're at spiritually. Now, what do I mean by that? Every person has a choice. Don't make excuses for what they do or they don't do. For instance, today was a day that all of you could have stayed home. Right? If there was ever a day that you could have said, here is a good day. It was was a valid (laughs) excuse. But you came. So if you came, so could have everybody else. It was just a quality decision or choice. And what we end up times doing is we start to excuse the behavior of that spouse. And then we start to become dull in what God's wanting to do. We become dull in our own spiritual heart to where I'll start to get relaxed on my prayers for their life because, well, they've got a valid reason. Well, they're tired. How many of you know everybody's tired? I'll be the first to tell you. Sunday morning, I get up real early, 5 o'clock sometimes, 5.30 typically. Yeah, there's times there's been a 4, right? It's a, you, you make the quality decision. I'm tired. There's times you don't feel good. What do you do? You get up. You put your spiritual boots on you say we're going to church as for me and my house we will serve the lord can you say amen first corinthians chapter 7 verse 14 because here's one of those questions that oftentimes are asked what about my spouse that isn't in the same place spiritually or maybe they're not even serving god and you're really struggling and there's this turmoil that's like well Can God bless our home? And there's all these issues, and it's because of you, because you don't go to church, and so God's punishing you. Listen, here's what the Bible says in in 1 Corinthians 7, verse 14. The Weymouth translation says, For in such cases the unbelieving husband has become and is holy through union with a Christian woman, and the unbelieving wife is also holy through union with a Christian brother. Otherwise your children would be unholy, but in reality they have a place among God's people. Now, what is that saying? That's not saying that just because you're a Christian, your spouse automatically gets to go to heaven because you're a Christian. No, they've got to make a personal choice to serve God and ask Christ into their life just like you do. But what it's saying is that because you choose to honor God, whether you're a man or a woman, husband and wife, that God will bless and honor your home. That your children are set apart because you make the conscious choice that I'm going to serve God, I'm going to lead, I'm going to be the example in my home, and therefore God's going to bless your, your husband, your wife, your children, because you make that quality decision. 
God will always honor you, a person that's honoring him, that you will always see blessing and reward around them. Always. Because they honor God and they're putting God first in their life. But what we're telling you, we know works because mm-hmm. there are people, there are couples yep. in our church that are exactly this to a T, mm-hmm. if not more, that they have come to church. Um, I can think of wives that have come and been like, yeah, my husband doesn't want to come. And then they start serving in church and they're still not coming on to church with them and getting kind of aggravated because of what they're giving or, you know, <laughs> yeah. what they're doing, going to church all the time. And we, we just tell them, just keep doing it. Just keep doing, keep doing this. Just keep at it. And one particular person had a counselor outside of church. They were going to a counselor and the counselor told them this same thing. Yeah. <laughs> they probably didn't even know they were really saying the word, but it works. And here today, that husband is coming to church they are giving faithfully of their finances. They are both serving faithfully. They are the best two probably that we have around here, one of the best two that are always here, always serving, both of them. Mm-hmm. So it works. And we have other countless stories. <laughs> That's right. You said something that made me kind of chuckle because you said like faithfully giving. It's interesting because there's been those times in church, and again, this is just a little side note. I find it kind of humorous, but it's kind of funny because, you know, there'll be the spouse that comes to church, and and they'll be giving, and the spouse is just kind of clueless as to what they're giving, and okay, you're going to give to the church, all right, no problem, no big deal. And then the end of the year statements come. And the spouse sees that yearly income. We've actually had spouses say, don't send it to the house because we don't want to. (laughs) But they fail to understand or what they don't understand is that the house is blessed because that husband and wife or they're choosing to be faithful in their tithe. And so God is blessing their home. And obviously that spouse just is unaware of really just the blessing of God in their house. So anyways, that's kind of funny for me as a pastor. Number two, how do you stay strong? How do you help that person that is not in the same place spiritually as you? Number two you pray for them. You pray for them. Notice the first thing that we said is in regards to loving them. You don't preach at them. As a pastor, I can't do anything to change you by preaching and barking at you. Right? The best thing that I can do as a pastor is to love you and pray for you. When you pray for that spouse, now you also have to understand the right way of how you pray. Because oftentimes now, listen... This is probably more for the wives toward the husbands. I'm one. I'm, I'm a husband, so I know. Oftentimes, the wives are praying for the husbands and saying, God, change them. <laughs> Slap them upside Help the head. Help them see the light. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, that, if, if God was that way, that would be no different than witchcraft. That would be nothing more than a voodoo doll if I'm praying and you make them do it. And if you can't make them do it, God can either. That's the whole purpose of this love relationship with God is that it's got to be a choice. So how is it that we pray? First of all, let me just bring to your attention in James chapter 5 verse 16. The latter part there, it says, pray for one another that you may be healed and restored 
to a spiritual tone of mind and heart, the earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of the righteous man or woman makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. When you pray for the spouse, oftentimes what you're looking for is the outward signs of change. And oftentimes we look at the outward person and saying, God, my prayers are not working. You can't tell me that there isn't a husband or wife that is praying for their spouse or a boyfriend or girlfriend that's praying for that significant other and saying, God, I want them to know you more. I want to grow in this spiritual relationship together as a team. You can't tell me that there's not a man or a woman that isn't fervent in that prayer. But we say, God, where's the results? The result is this, that God is answering your prayer 100% of the time. But I'm not seeing the changes, but he answers your prayers 100% of the time. How is that? Because he said, when you pray, you make tremendous power available. Every single time that you pray, God is letting there be life-changing power available to them to respond to. See, God can't make them respond to your prayers, but your prayers make the power available. And therefore, that power is always working. They've just got to respond to it. And when they choose to respond, that's when you begin to see the outward change. But know that there's an inward thing going on because of the power that you've created with your prayers. Go ahead and share that, Ephesians. Then you say, well, how or what do I pray? There's a scripture over in Ephesians chapter 1, starts in verse 18. And it says, by having the eyes of your heart flooded with light, so that you can know and understand the hope to which he has called you, and how rich is his glorious inheritance in the saints, and so that you can know and understand what's the immeasurable, unlimited, surpassing greatness of his power in and for us who believe. Mm-hmm. And it goes over to Ephesians chapter 3, and you may have heard, I'm sure you've heard of us talk about these prayers, that you may have the power and be strong to apprehend and grasp with all the saints, God's devoted people, the experience of that love, to know the love of God, the length, the depth, the width, the height of it, to know the love of Christ, which far surpasses mere knowledge, that you can be filled with the fullness of God and have the richest measure of his divine presence in your spouse, in your home, in your family. And so we say you can pray this for your kids. But if you pray this prayer and don't get off of it, you'll see change. That's right. You'll see change in yourself if you'll pray it. One, your eyes will start to open. Mm-hmm. You'll see things in the word. You'll see things that you've never seen before. And it will help you to be stronger mm-hmm. and help you to see that spouse in a different light. So those are scriptural prayers that the Apostle Paul is praying for the church. And you say, well, how does that work in my own personal life? For instance, in Ephesians chapter 1, having the eyes of their heart flooded with light. How do I apply that to my prayer time? God, I pray that the eyes of Kelly, that her eyes are opened, that she's flooded with light, that she's coming to know you, 
God, I pray for Kelly right now that, Lord, she's beginning to see and understand these, the surpassing greatness of your love towards her, the, the breadth, the length, the height of it. God, I thank you that you're moving in her life, that, Lord, right now Kelly is beginning to be drawn towards you, that she knows you personally for herself. Are you seeing how that works? I'm just using that scripture, but I'm putting her name in place. And how many of you know that the word works? I said the word works. The Bible says that the word does not return void. So in other words, I'm returning God's word to him when I pray. And God says, when you do that, things are changing. Things are happening. Amen. Now, you've got a purpose to be patient, don't you? Because once again, it's not in our timing. Man, I'm telling you what. I've known women that have prayed for their husbands for years. And they're still praying. (laughs) Same way the other way around. But God's faithful. All right, and the third and the last thing. How do we stay strong? How do we help that person that we love and we want to see them grow? Again, we don't preach at them. We just purpose to love them. Love them unconditionally. We don't make excuses for them, but we also don't become condescending towards where they're at as though we're so spiritually superior. Secondly, we purpose to pray for them. God, open up the eyes of their understanding. Help them come to know you. Number three, you meet their needs. You meet their needs. As a husband, I have a responsibility to meet the needs of my wife. As a wife, she has a responsibility to meet my needs. So, as a husband, the first thing that I, the needs that I need to meet towards her is to lead her, to, 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 to create stability within her life, that there's trust, and I do that through loving her. Then as a wife, I honor my husband and respect him. I choose to include him in my decisions, and I defer to him to be a part of even the things with the kids and the home. I'm going to him. Then you have to guard your heart. Mm -hmm. On both sides, you have to guard your heart. And stay with the word. Because it takes work in a marriage. That's right. You know, well, the Bible says, you know, in the garden, you know, when, when God's dealing with Adam, you're the leader. He says, now tend to the garden. That word really simply defined is you're going to have to work at it. If you've ever thought that, well, if I just meet my soulmate, there's never going to have to be any work involved at all. Come on. The longer you're together, sometimes it even takes more work. If you you recall, I mean, I think of the days that she and I were dating back in Bible college. I mean, I so desired to be with her that I got sick. Because, I mean, in fact, I met her during Winter Bible Seminar, and that was a, a week-long meeting. And so we had meetings in the, the afternoon, meetings at night, and the meetings would go long. I mean, it'd go like 10 o'clock at night. And then you'd go out to eat afterwards with all your friends, and, and then you had school in the morning. And so I was going, 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 getting barely any sleep at all, but I just wanted to spend time with her. You know, in those early days, it didn't take any work at all because I just wanted to be with her. But then as you get older... You've got the work, you've got the kids, you've got the house, you've got to cut the grass, you've got to shovel the snow. And there's all these things that become distractions and fill the voids of things that she wants 
had my attention with. Have you ever noticed that life gets extremely busy? Sure it does. I've got to work at purposing to develop and maintain that relationship with her. I've got to meet her needs and be intentional with it. And as I said, it takes work. Uh, You know, there's a saying that says everybody wants to be on the mountaintop. How many of you would prefer to be on the mountaintop rather than going through the valleys of life? Most of us would say, I would rather be on the mountaintop than having to go through the valley. Did you ever notice that nothing grows at 12,000 feet? Everything grows in the valley. Two years ago? Um, yes. You tell no. it. I, I might cry if I tell it. Go ahead. You tell. Germany. <laughs> I will, I'd like to see that. <laughs> we say, are you crying? Yeah, I think that's a tear. <laughs> got something to um, Before we got into this building. Yeah. So this building started like into November, December of last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Of the year prior. And so two years before that mm-hmm. were some of the worst treacherous years of our marriage, finances, life in general. Mm-hmm. Ministry. <laughs> ministry. Yeah. All of life. All facets of life. <laughs> but they were some hard years. Mm-hmm. And we almost didn't make it. So if we wouldn't have made it, there would have never been this building. Mm-hmm. If we would have quit... You wouldn't be here. That's right. But because we stuck it through, because we chose to do this, what we're saying, we had to live for two years. We'd get through one thing, and then something else would pop up. And you think, oh, dear Lord, how are we going to get through this? Mm-hmm. And you only had God. Mm-hmm. You only had God. So for two years, and I'm, I'm saying it because... Before your breakthrough comes, there's always something before that. That's right. Break, you ever notice breakthrough doesn't come when everything's really great yeah. and you feel really great and you're, I mean, got lots of money and, I mean, everything's good and then your breakthrough comes. That usually doesn't happen that way. <laughs> it's usually like, oh, dear God, you know, I'm barely here. I'm barely hanging on. I'm almost dead. <laughs> and then it shows up. That's exactly what happened. We had Brother Mark. We had been going through some really trying years in our marriage, his ministry, everything. And then we had Brother Marty Blackwelder come. And remember what he said to our church? The tide is turning, and it's turning into your favor. We're like, praise God. That's right. It's about time. (laughs) (laughs) And so we held on to that. It was, I mean, weeks after we got that, this building popped Mm -hmm. up out of the blue, and God had orchestrated every single thing. That was our breakthrough. But if we would have quit, there would have never been that breakthrough. If she had only gotten right two years earlier, we would have. (laughs) Would have came a lot faster. I'm just playing. Uh, That's funny. (laughs) But here's one last thing. You know, just as she's talking about just the challenges of life. See, we always think that, well, if everything is great with God, there's no challenges. Here's one of the things, in fact, we learned this from Pastor Mark, just sharing this with us at different times. 
But you would think that, you know, once you get to a place, you know, you're growing in faith and everything's great and everything's cool, you know some things, you just are able to kind of coast through things. But I found that in the years of ministry, there's always something else. You get through it, and there's something else. There's never a time in your life where there's not something else coming up behind it. But if we've learned how to fight through it, stand strong together, partner together, lead together, if I'll love her, if she'll serve and honor me, when the next thing comes, we're able to get through it. Whether it's ministry, whether it's finances, whether it's health, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But God is faithful. And so we're growing together. So don't give up on that spouse. God's working on your behalf. Even right now this morning, you might have been chomping and chewing at the bit, thinking, dear God, I'm coming to church and they're staying home, sleeping. God's working. I said, God's working. God's desire is greater than yours concerning your spouse. We said that this year is a year of increase. I can't tell you how big that is in my spirit. That this is a year of breakthrough. It's a year of increase. It's a year of more than enough. And if you'll just do what you need to do, not looking to that one or this one or him or her, God's going to honor you. And you'll see all those things come to pass. Remember, we had a word from the Lord last week. Just It was from my spirit. God said this. He said, it seems as though there's been many clouds surrounding you, but you don't know how close you are to your breakthrough. Amen? That means for your marriage as well. Let's stand. The Bible says that if two agree touching anything, they have what they ask. And so I'm joined in hand with my wife. And we're going to pray for you all and pray for those that are listening online, those that were not able to make it to church today. So this isn't just a, just for you all. This is for all who will receive. But you know what's going on in your life. You know the desires of your heart. You know what you want from God. And so as we pray, as we agree together and agree with you, God's going to begin to move. Now, hopefully you'll hear me right when I say this. But I've had different ones come to me and they'll say, well, will you pray for this? And I've said to them, I said, are you sure you want me to? I said, because I always get my prayers answered. God honors my prayers. And therefore, is that all that you want? Are you sure that that's what you want? And I say that, that God will honor this prayer this morning. And so I want you just to embrace it. If, it. if it's you, if it ministers to you, say, that's mine, I receive it now. And begin to believe God to move this day, this year. Amen? Dear Heavenly Father, we pray for every single person that is in the midst of our church. For we don't think it's by chance, we don't think it's by accident. And so God, we thank you for the divine appointment. God, we release the anointing of the Holy Spirit upon every individual, 
upon every home, upon every relationship, upon every family, upon every marriage, now in the name of Jesus. We thank you for the anointing that destroys the yoke, removes the burdens, and sets the captive free, and lets freedom reign within the home right now in Jesus' name. For whom the Son sets free is free indeed. For you've been called to a place of liberty. Don't draw back, but continue to move forward. And you'll see that freedom is yours. Oh, God, we thank you that marriages are growing healthier and stronger. We thank you for such unity. We thank you for such agreement within the homes now. And we thank you that this church is growing exponentially as a result of this day in Jesus' name. And we give you all the thanks and all the praise. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Subscribe to this podcast and take a look at all of our social media sites, which can be found at our website, gvchurch.tv. We know that today's message has been a blessing to you. Thanks for listening. We are Genesee Valley Church, loving God, loving people, and loving life.